Before today's episode, I wish to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and recognise their continued connection to the beautiful land and sea. I'd also like to pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging, and I extend this acknowledgement to the traditional owners of the land my listeners are on. Welcome to Ritual the Podcast, your cottage in the woods, a sacred space for the witches, the healers, the magical folk to meet and speak of wisdom, witchery and old world magic, where people come to learn, to hear stories, to share secrets and to be free to be their true selves. Welcome to Ritual. So today is a very exciting day. This is something that I have been trying to do, but the weather and the sickness and all the things have been against us, but we're finally here. Um, Now, if you are big into reading, which I think is like a, a prerequisite to be a witch is everybody has to have a slight obsession with books. But if you are, you will know there is one book in particular that everybody has a very, a very deep place in their heart for and that is The Green Witch. That is probably one of the first books I ever read and one of the ones that I constantly go back to, the one that I always tell people they should read as a beginner because it's just one of those ones that they're full of heart and soul and amazing witchy knowledge. And it's exciting because that means that the writer herself is sitting right in front of me through a computer. Aaron Murphy Hiscock is in the building and I'm so excited to chat with you. So hello, Aaron. Hi, it is so good to finally be sitting down with you and talking. We've been trying yes. to do this for off and on for I don't know how many months now. I know, but you know what? It all led to this moment and it's going to be perfect. <laughs> how are you going? Oh, things are going okay. Yep. Um, I just came off doing a big online conference last week. Oh, cool. Um, the Gathering of the Witches. Beautiful. How did it all yeah, go? Yeah, it was... Uh, it was a two hour long presentation and wow. I did, I showed people how I fill in um, botanical grimoire pages and cool. we talked about moving through the change of energy from Sowland through to Yule. Yeah. And it was, uh, it, it was great. I mean, I felt like I was all over the place, but the feedback from the people <laughs> in the chat along the way, I said, no, 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 you're making sense. This is great. So yeah, it's like that, isn't it? Like you, whenever I do a podcast or something, I'm always like, did I even make any sense? Like, was that in English? Cause I'm pretty sure I, I kind of flipped into some other weird language and everyone's like, right. No, that made sense. And you re you re-listen to it and you go, huh, that was a good point. I'm really, I'm proud of myself. Yeah, it's weird when you're actually doing something like that. You, it's almost like you can't hear yourself. No, you because can't. you're so busy doing this that that you you're not you're not in the right mindset to hear the information you're yeah. you're disseminating, right? Which is why it's always nice to be able to go back and look at a recording or a transcript. Yes, because then you can say. Oh, okay. Because you say things you're not even thinking about at the time. Yeah. You're in a and you're making all sorts state. of connections up here. And yeah, totally. it's, it's great. I mean, I learn so much when I teach people. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And I think it's always a good test of your knowledge as well. Because you can like write things down and double check it. But sometimes when you do go off, you go, oh no, that was purely my own knowledge kicking in and what mm-hmm. I know. 
And I do know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I do know. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's great too, when you have interaction, like even, even when we're doing stuff on zoom, like the chat alongside people will type questions and those you can't prepare for, right? I mean, you, yeah. you never know what someone's going to ask. Mm -hmm. So if somebody does say something, it can trigger something completely new in your brain and you make new connections and it's yep. just, it's so enriching. Absolutely. And did you have a good Samhain? Uh, we haven't done our Samhain yet. Oh, not yet? We, no, um, we let Halloween be Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we do, we do Samhain, uh... When the moon hits, no, the sun hits, what, 15 degrees of Scorpio? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's usually, it's usually about a week later, oh, roughly. Oh, beautiful. That's it kind is, of it's good great. then. It's great because you, first of all, like, I mean, on November 1st, everybody's posting the memes. I'm like, no, you can't take Halloween away from me. And I'm like, <laughs> I've got another week to go. This is great. <laughs> See, for me, because we have Beltane here, Beltane, so I yeah. always do Beltane on the 1st of November because I'm like, the 31st is Halloween, yeah. leave it alone, let's all be spooky. But then there's that other part of me that's like, November 1st, I guess it's basically Christmas now because I've, I've got this like Christmas elf inside me that is bursting to come out. So I'm like, no... November November 2nd is Christmas. November 1st is Beltane. So today I'm like, yay, it's Christmas. <laughs> My husband's like, oh, good. Christmas carols are back. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, so the first question I wanted to ask you was, do you have a morning ritual? And this could be a magical one, a mundane, or something that kind of combines the two. But is there a way that you like to start your day every day? I, <laughs> I, I can't just leap out of bed and into the day. Yep. I'm, I'm not that kind of person. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's always a little bit of trying to get my head into the game before I even get out of bed. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll, I'll touch base with my energy and the energy around me to sort of contextualize myself within the energy of the day. Yeah. And then I'll get up and uh, the next important thing is tea. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, yes. But I, I have a friend who's a tea blender. She has a, a, a tea shop business and she's she's magically minded as well mm -hmm. so all her blends i can look at what she's put in a blend and go that's the energy i need today nice good you connection. know other people just say oh that's a really nice description that's kind of and i'm like no 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 yeah <laughs> i know the magical <laughs> the magical correspondences for all these things i know exactly mm -hmm. what i need today so i'll make a, a hot cup of tea touch base mm -hmm. with my kids um once they're at school and i'm back I'll do, I'll, I'll contextualize myself mm -hmm. within the energy of the day again. Yep. Because my energy has changed, it's shifted, now it's moving, it's, you know. Um, so yeah, I'll touch base then. It's really interesting because before I had kids, mm -hmm. and you, you may have something like this too, before I had kids, I had a much more complex morning ritual. Yeah. You know, I'd get up, I'd do an altar devotion, I'd pull a card of some kind for inspiration or, you know, for a concept to think about during the day. Mm -hmm. um, 
and something similar at night I would come back and I would do another altar devotion and mm-hmm. I would I would do uh, I would meditate to sort of make sense of the day and calm my energy down mm-hmm. and journal a little bit and I can't do those things anymore really no. because the kids are all over the kids are they, they always need something yeah and if that's my focus right now then that's my focus right now that's a yeah. different kind of priestessing that's a different kind of spiritual interaction mm-hmm. making sure that they're comfortable in and of themselves making sure that socially they can process the emotional information coming in and going out and even on a mundane level balancing all the homework and the yeah. and the deadlines and did you eat enough today what, <laughs> yeah. what were the good things that you ate today and one of my favorite questions at the dinner table is um what's the best thing that happened to you today yeah we love that one too mm-hmm. yeah yeah um because we have to go around the table and everybody even mommy and daddy have to do it yeah and, and it's great because on a, on a day when it's been frustrating, when it feels like you've been hitting obstacles and you have to look for something positive. And there always is something, even something there small. There always is. Mm. We, um, yeah. We're really big on that as well, where we always say, um, can you say three things that you're grateful for that happened today? And it's gotten to the point now where our our little girl, Poppy, she's six. She is the one that will go, can we go around and say what we're grateful for? And we love that because, yeah, even if you're in the worst mood and you're just like, I so can't be bothered right now, you go, no, if she can do it and she's six, I can sit here and think of something good that happened. Even if it was like, I had a really good coffee you know, it, and it just like shifts your mindset completely where you're like, it wasn't a total bummer. It wasn't totally the worst day ever. Exactly. And even if it's, even if it comes down to, I'm sitting at the table with my family. Exactly. We're eating we're food. We're so lucky. Exactly. Mm. You know, we're, 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 we're fortunate enough to be able to do that. And mm-hmm. I like that my kids have to take a moment and think about their days and talk about what what's important to them yeah you know and because it it helps them sort through things it helps them prioritize yeah things during the day like today this was the best thing that happened but if that happened yesterday it wouldn't have been the best thing yeah Yeah, that's so it's yeah it's good i think i think for emotional intelligence and and spiritual processing of all the stuff that goes on Mm -hmm. i think conversation like that is really important absolutely and i think also what you said about um changing your priorities of how you start the day like if you are a parent because i know for me pre-kids you could do so much of everything whenever you wanted all the time. And for me, like I have this kind of romantic view of like, ideally I would wake up and I would do this like hour long meditation and then this would happen and this would happen and it would be great. But my reality is that my daughter and my son now are both like, hello, it's the crack of dawn. What are you doing? And if I let myself get frustrated and go, I really had plans to do all this and you're kind of ruining it. Then I, I wake up in this like really funky mood and I'm resentful, cranky. Yeah, exactly. And so you have to kind of just go, well, right now my life, my morning rituals could be five minutes in between like making a lunchbox and 
whatever or when they go to school or whatever and that's just like where I am at life and in 10 years they'll be in high school and won't care to talk to me so I might as well (laughs) embrace that time and go well this is just where I am and you find your like momentary magic of where you are now and knowing that one day you will be able to have an hour-long meditation whenever you want and you'll be going but I want my kids to be here you know yeah that's exactly it like I I really had a, a kind of crisis of spiritual identity when my first daughter was born mm. because before that I had written a couple of books and like as you say I would do hour-long rituals I could yeah. leave work spread out on tables <laughs> and the only yeah. thing I had to worry about was the cats <laughs> but when my daughter was born she needed a lot of I mean well, all babies need a lot of attention but she was in the hospital for six weeks she was born early Mm -hmm. and so my energy had to go in a completely different direction and interestingly enough at that time I was writing the first edition of the Green Witch wow 15 years ago so um that book actually was it it kind of came out of that place of introspection and that Mm -hmm. place of re-examination of who am I if I cannot do all the priestessy things? Yeah. How do I reinterpret my spiritual practice within the context of an everyday life yeah. with a family? Yeah. And that really shaped a lot of the idea that spirituality is not a precious thing set aside. It literally is in every moment of the day. Yeah. And it's in every corner of the house and it's in every interaction you have. It's, it literally is part of the daily path you walk. Mm-hmm. Now it's really nice still to be able to schedule a ritual with either alone or with other people and do something. And it's extra special because you don't get to do that very often mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it yeah. So the Green Witch actually it it was born in a time when I I didn't know how to define my spiritual practice. So it, yeah. it really evolved around that time. Interesting. I love that story. I'm going to read that in a different way now, knowing what you were going through in that time. Um, so going back, way back, how did your journey into witchcraft begin? Like, is this something that was always there for you or was there a time when you found your inner witch or how did it all come out? Um, it's, looking back, I can see a lot more um, appreciation of nature than, than sort of, um, uh, organized religion. Yeah. We, my, my mother and I were very involved in our local church mm-hmm. and, um, and it was great because there was community, but the problem is the community started overdrawing on our energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kept trying to get us involved in more and more and more things. And I'm, I'm an introvert. Mm. So it got to the point where I just backed right off. Um, so for a few years, there was a, there was a time where I wasn't doing anything specific and 
in that time I started thinking about well why why is God always seen as male mm. why why is the guiding force of the universe always codified as male that bothers me mm-hmm. and there was a church nearby who was alternating um, male and female pronouns when they talked about God mm. and I went oh this is gonna be great this is good mm. and I went and it felt so wrong It felt so wrong because it felt like they were trying to shoehorn something into an existing framework just by changing the pronouns. It, it didn't, it didn't do what they wanted it to do. Yeah. And so my energy just bounced right off that and I went, okay, well, nope, not for me. me. Mm. And I thought, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to have to go my own way. Mm -hmm. Well, in early university, a group of friends and I started doing a group storytelling project. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, um, I'm going to write the character of a modern witch, which means I have to find out what modern witches do. Yep. And I walked into a metaphysical store and I kind of paused and went, oh, oh, I really <laughs> like the vibe here. Mm-hmm. And I think I spent a couple of hours there that day just pulling random books off the shelf and flipping through them. And I went home with three. And as I read through them, I'm like, oh, it was like little flashes yep. going off in the back of my brain. I'm going, wait this this makes sense to me so that's kind of how i got into it originally and then i just kept, i love to read mm-hmm. i will research the heck out of things before i do anything yeah so i kept reading i kept reading and i started getting into um y- using herbs in magical practice mm-hmm. there was there was something about just like the energy of them I like I like the concept of taking bits of this and put and taking bits of that and th- bits of this and feeling how the energy changes and then being able to program it for a particular reason and it just it it satisfied something in me it spoke to me in a way that other things like, like other rituals or other spellcraft and in, mm-hmm. in the books didn't so, um, I ended up with quite a, quite a, an assembly of dried herbs and things yeah, that I got do. from the local <laughs> herb shops and, um, and yeah, it, it was just, it clicked. It clicked yeah. in my early twenties. I went, okay, I think I found it. I think mm-hmm. I found it. And the more I read and the more I worked and then I started casually working with other people after going to a couple of public rituals Mm -hmm. and then I I eventually started working at the metaphysical store cool and then because because I've been working in bookstores for years this was just like the latest bookstore I ended at (laughs) yeah and uh somebody from a publisher emailed a bunch of owners of metaphysical shops and said, we're looking for someone to act as a consultant on uh, the establishment of a new New Age imprint. Mm. So ideally they would know something about publishing, but they would also knew some, know something about metaphysical New Age occult. Yep. And the owner came out and pushed this email at me and went, they're talking about you. Ah, cool. 
So I sent them my resume and we talked for a while and uh, they said, no, we'd love to have you on board. So it was great. We, we designed what the imprint was going to do and we started, um, we started thinking about the first few titles that we wanted to put out. And they said, the first thing we want is something about spellcraft. Yes. And I said, okay, that's a great idea. That's, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely a niche for that. Yep. And they said, we want you to write it. Wow. Uh, and, and at that point, okay, you know, I was third degree priestess. I was, you know, I'd been, you I knew my stuff. stuff. I'd been doing things for a while, but yeah. Yeah. at the same time, it was like, yep, nobody knows me. Why would they, why would they want to read a book for me? And they're like, no, you don't understand. Get that imposter syndrome. Oh, always I still mm, do yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but they said no you don't get it all the work you've done for us so far your method of communication and your concept of what these books should be it just makes sense that you should write one yeah and we want you to write the first one so that ended up being uh the spellcraft book cool I love that yeah book, hi sweetie uh, my cats are wandering in and out. I was back just going to say, I love it because like one cat walks around and then a different cat appears. It's like, how many cats are in there? <laughs> we have three. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, we have three. This is a cat friendly show. They are more than welcome to join. Oh, excellent. Hey, Tintin. Who's this This is Ginny. Ginny. Ginny's like, no, I don't want to be on TV. Oh, so yeah, precious. I love cats. I love them. <laughs> Do you have dogs as well or just cats? We don't. Our house is pretty small mm -hmm. and we don't, we just don't have the space mm -hmm. to devote to it. I mean, we have a backyard, we have a back garden, but it's with, with the three cats and the two kids and the small house, I don't feel we can give the time and energy a dog really needs. Yep, that's fair enough. So for now it's just cats yeah. and a rabbit and Aww. three snakes. Oh, yeah, we have two corn snakes and a ball python. Oh my god, how do the cats go with the snakes? Uh, they're really, really chill, actually. Really? Um, yeah, they. Uh... <laughs> so funny. Say hi to the internet, Jenny. Yay! Um, they they find it interesting. <laughs> okay, sweetheart, I love you, but I can't sing. Um. The cats find the snakes interesting, not in a way that they want to chase them, but they'll sit back and they'll watch. Yeah. You're a weird looking yeah. cat. Why don't you have legs? <laughs> <laughs> I love, so going back, I love that your path like kind of pulled you to that direction of like, you need to go in this place. And once you go in there, amazing things are going to happen. And it's like, you just need to find that little trigger. And then it's like, look what happened exactly like how cool was that yeah yeah and and I remember I was I was talking to someone and saying oh I felt so fortunate you know it was just lucky that I was in and they said you know what you keep using that word but no all the work you've done and all the decisions yeah. you've made have brought you to exactly where you are exactly and you had yeah. to go through each step because if you missed one it all would have completely changed but because it yeah. all like unraveled the way it did like look at the journey that was waiting for you in like a really unexpected way as well. Like you wouldn't think that something like that would manifest in that way, but how cool it was meant to be. Yeah, apparently <laughs> and I'm so, enjoying myself. I'm enjoying myself should. a lot. And that's and how you I know do. it's right as well. <clears throat> so 
I've I saw that you have done you work in a coven. Um, was that always? Were you always in one from the beginning, or were you a solitary and then you found a coven? And how do you kind of find the difference between them? Because I always have people say like, "Do I need to be in a coven? Do I work by myself? Like, what what's the deal?" So how do you find like both sides of it? <clears throat> you can do both. Yeah. Either or or and. Um, you can you can have a solitary practice and get together with people occasionally to practice as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's if you're in a coven that has like a, a set uh, pantheon they work with and a set uh, a group of totems or deities or or invocations or their own liturgy, mm-hmm. that doesn't prevent you from working on your own with different deities and different liturgy and different you know whatever. So that's something that, you know, when people who are very new say to me, well, I need a coven. I'm like, well, no, you don't. You don't. But if you do, it also doesn't mean you can't work as a solitary. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't even have to be the same work. You can you can work specific things with the coven and you can work a totally different group of topics and subjects and themes by yourself. Mm -hmm. They're they're not they're not antithetical. They're not. Um. From the beginning, no, I was definitely a solitary for a while because, as I mentioned before, introvert. Yeah. <laughs> um, also terrified of doing the wrong thing. Yes. So yeah. it took me it took me months and months and months before I even did a ritual on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was an armchair witch for a very long time. <laughs> an armchair um, witch. But uh, but yeah, I mean. A spiritual practice is such a personal thing. Mm. And I think everybody should work as a solitary if they've only ever worked as a coven. Mm -hmm. Because when it's just your energy and the energy of what you're working with, it's very intimate. And it's going to, it's going to, the interaction is going to be different. Yeah. Because you don't have to take a bunch of other people, a bunch of other energies into account you're also solely responsible for what happens um so there isn't anyone to catch you but on the other hand there isn't anyone to distract you yeah you know at at the same time um because you can all say you're on the same page and doing the same visualization for the same goal but everyone's going to be doing it slightly differently Mm -hmm. so you know when it's just you it's just you and you don't need to you don't need to take anything else into account um, so yeah, I worked as a solitary for quite some time. Uh, I didn't, you know, I went to a couple of public rituals, mm-hmm. which was eye-opening. Yeah. Um, yeah. at a public ritual, you have no idea what's going to show up. No. It's, <laughs> it uh, an interesting it's, experience. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. Um, and you have to have complete trust in whoever's leading it. You know, the, yeah. like the ritual team, you have to trust that they've got control and that they can handle whatever's coming up. Yeah. And if you're a solitary and you walk into a situation with a whole bunch of people with a whole bunch of energy that you don't, you're not familiar with, that can be a big, that can be a big trust. Yeah. Very experiment, you know, type thing. Like it's it's like a, yeah, it's, Mm. it's rough. It can be really rough. Um, So when I started working in a coven, it was when I started training with Black Forest. 
Um, and we were a distance coven because Black Forest is based in the United States with its hearthstone in um, Pennsylvania. Mm. So we were we were studying distance. Um, <clears throat> and distance learning is is another challenge because you don't have someone right in front of you showing you what to do. Mm -hmm. um, you can't feel energy moving. You kind of have to build it from the ground up mm. and say, this is what feels right to me. Or in the case of a group, this is what feels right to us. Yeah. Um, so I, we got really, really close. I mean, there were only four and then five of us mm -hmm. at, in that coven. We all got really, really close. But when we all hit third degree, we all went off in our own directions mm -hmm. and started our own covens. So why do you think that is? Um, it's not uncommon mm -hmm. for third degrees and established covens to go off and start their own. Okay. Um, it's you. It's often encouraged because mm. by the time you hit that level, you're ready to teach. Right. And if you are teaching, you, you they, they, they like you to be teaching in your own space. Fair enough. Basically, you know, mm -hmm. so you create your own coven and you teach in the way you need to. Yep. Now, interestingly enough, the coven that ended up forming, mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're all still together. We have another third degree. And she's like, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> we're, and and we're like, we don't want you to go. <laughs> So, so we've been practicing together, oh, wow, for over 15 years. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. It mm. is amazing. And uh, we took someone else in a couple of years after that. And we've had a couple of people come and then say, you know what, this, this, this isn't for me anymore after yeah. a couple of years. And it's like perfect love and perfect trust. Please go follow your path. You know, yeah. go you. Um. So right now there's, I think, just six of us. Cool. And again, because of COVID in the last few years, we haven't been able to get together. So yeah. it's back to being online. Yeah. Which I know, <laughs> but they don't necessarily. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there are pros and cons to both. And I think both train you in a different way. Yeah. To, to work with energy in a different way, to to match energy or direct energy differently. And I, I think both are really, really valuable mm. methods through which to practice. I think I've never been in a coven before. And to be honest, I think one of the reasons why is because you often hear more negative stories from it than positive. Like you always hear like people are super judgmental or there's a list of rules and you have to follow it. And if you don't, you get in trouble. And to yeah. me, I've, I've always been like, cause I'm like, I say I'm an extroverted introvert where I can appear to be very out there, but I'm inside, I'm like, people no. So I'm always like, it has to be the right people. Otherwise I know I would just be like, no. I And I also don't like people telling me what to do all the time. So I, for me, I'm always like, no, it's not for me, but I love the idea. Like, I think it's really important to have both because yes, 
being having your own practice and knowing who you are as an individual witch is so important because it has your values, what you want, how you work and all all your beliefs and everything. But I think having people who totally get it and having that support network is so nice because it allows you to ask questions safely mm-hmm. and also you can get confirmation from people of experiences where you might have self-doubt and go, oh, maybe I made that up. Maybe that's just, a, you know, I'm dramatizing that a little bit where they go, no, I had the same thing. And then your confidence grows and you go, yes. okay, good. Other people are getting that too. I'm on the right path. And so I think finding a coven that's like that and it totally fits your vibe, I think would be such a rewarding experience. It is. It really, really is. <laughs> and... um at the 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 confirmation thing it's great because we are all very different people mm-hmm. in our coven i mean we've known each other for a while we were friends and that's why they you know people were invited in um but we're all very different when it comes to working with energy mm-hmm. so we had to learn each other's languages mm-hmm. and that in turn can help you learn more about yourself because yeah. because working with others asks you to sort of step into their shoes a little bit and look at things through their eyes and say, okay, well, if you're experiencing this energy in this way mm. and I'm experiencing it in this way, you know, what, where do those intersect? How do we, how do we interpret, you know, and it's, it's so interesting. Yeah. Like even just on an intellectual level, like quite apart from the spiritual to, to realize that um, like we have, we have one person who, uh, doesn't visualize pictures yep. when they practice mm-hmm. and we have someone else who senses, um, like e- emotion or in, in energy, yeah. but doesn't see color. Interesting. And we have other people who, when they look at energy, see color, but don't get anything else. And it's really, really interesting. Everybody has their own language when it comes to magic and working with energy. And it's just, it's so interesting to be able to bounce off other people and go, oh, wow, that's really neat. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yes, I love that. And it allows you to kind of like see from different perspectives that you never would and gets you out of your box, which ultimately Mm -hmm. can be uncomfortable, but... That's how you grow. That's really the only way that you can grow. Exactly. And I don't think, I mean, if you're in a, if you're in a place or a situation where you can't find a group to practice with, I don't think, I don't think you're going to be eternally missing something in your, in your life as a witch or a pagan. I think, I think that your experience will be different but equally valid. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the ways, one of the ways to constantly, we were just talking about uh, interpreting things through other people's eyes, like being able to, being able to look at people's different energy languages, for the yeah. lack of a better term, um, and getting ideas from other people, and you know, people bringing experiences in, and you saying, "Oh, I hadn't thought about that." That's where reading comes in. Yes, there is there is something so great about being able to grab a book, and there are so many good ones coming out these days. To, to grab a book and read it and be an established practitioner who's been doing this for years and years and years and come across something that makes you go, wow. Yes. 
wow, now I get to sit back and reinterpret my practice through this particular lens. Yeah. And, you know, you can't help but grow. Yeah. Even if you, you read something evolve. and disagree with it. Your practice should always be evolving. Otherwise, I feel like it just becomes stagnant and stale. And yep. so I'll always read like beginner witch books or whatever yes. because you go, well, maybe there there's something in here that I have never heard or maybe it reminds me of something that I've forgotten. But I yes. think, yeah, the more you read, the more you you just open up all these new areas of your mind and go, yes, 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 I want to go here and here and here. And there might be things that a year ago you had no interest in where all of a sudden you're like, you know what, I actually really want to do that. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. And I mean, reading <coughs> reading 101 books yeah. is great because you can always go back and look at your basics and say, oh, I hadn't thought about this for a while. Let's let's go through it again, maybe with this new spin on it, maybe mm -hmm. not. Maybe I can read this and go, nope, that doesn't work for me not at for all. Me. <laughs> and yeah. even that confirms, you know, okay, what I'm doing is right for me right now. Totally. I 100% agree. And so you say that you do priestess work and you are a priestess. Can you explain to me what that is exactly? Because I do hear that a lot where people say, I am a priestess of da-da-da-da-da. What does that mean? Like, can you explain that? That's such a great question. <laughs> um, there, are, there are different levels to the answer. Mm -hmm. On a community level, I priestess for people who want uh, a nature-based spiritual uh, ritual, rite of passage, or, or something. Mm -hmm. um, and that's... That's great. It's always so much fun. I love baby blessings. Oh, the they are my favorite. They are my favorite. Um, weddings are lovely. Mm -hmm. I have not done a crossing for someone I don't know yet. Yeah. It's always been, it's always been within the family and it's always been a private thing. Um, on a, on a coven level as a priestess, I I do a lot of organizing. <laughs> <laughs> Being a priestess involves admin. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it also means looking and keeping track of where everyone in the coven is, mm -hmm. both lesson-wise and life-wise. You're like the witchy mum. Yeah, actually, that's a really good way of, of putting it. Yeah. Yeah, and making sure everybody has what they need yeah and sometimes that's difficult especially over the past few years mm. when we haven't been in person communication over the internet is different and it, it can be really really hard to to give someone a heart to heart and say how are you mm. like how are you doing it's easier to hide your emotions on online because you can be like mm -hmm. i'm fine i'm all good yeah. but when you're in exactly. person you can go are you are you really? Are you really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I've been picking up hints, like not necessarily in our direct um, communication, but your posts on social media, you know, every once in a while there's a little thing and I notice and I notice yeah. and yeah. So there's that. Um, and then on a, on a spiritual level, um, like some, some people priestess for specific deities. Mm-hmm. And I used to do that. Yeah. Um, 
I was very <coughs> definitely um, a priestess of Bridget for mm. quite some time mm -hmm. until she patted me on the head and said, you don't need to do this with me anymore. You, you wow. need to go looking. And so I had to do, I had to do some serious soul searching and, and uh, it's, it's never fun when the deity you've been working with says, <laughs> thank you. It's time to go. Bye. <laughs> she would do what something did I do? like that. <laughs> Why are you breaking up with me? Why are you kicking me out of the house? <laughs> I've never heard that happening. That's interesting. It's, it, I, I've spoken about it with a couple of other practitioners, longtime practitioners, yeah. and they're like, yep. Sometimes you end up with a teacher, whether it be whether it be an animal guide or a deity, and they'll say, I'm a crutch now. Yeah. You're leaning on me in a way that is holding you back. Interesting. And they'll let you go. And I was in free fall for quite some time. It was yeah. it was not comfortable. Yeah. Because so much of my spiritual identity revolved around being a priestess of Bridget. Yeah. And yeah. um yeah, it was rough for a while. Um, so I don't consider myself a priestess of any specific deity right now. Mm -hmm. What I do now is I facilitate the connection between people and nature. Interesting. So I priestess for nature. That's beautiful. If that makes sense. Yeah. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. um, and it's really nebulous. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's hard to say I do this and this and this. Um, but yeah, what my my main thrust now is is working to help people improve their connection with nature as a whole and their specific environmental nature in particular. Mm -hmm. I want to get people to think about how they interact with energy and how they can use it to benefit themselves, but also how they can benefit the energy of nature around them. Mm -hmm. Because it really is, a, it's a dialogue, right? Mm -hmm. It's not something that you use and ignore. No. You give, there's a give and a take. It's a, it's it a process and it's a constant dialogue. And, and that's, that's what I consider my, my priestessing role now. Beautiful. I love that. And you know what? How fitting as well, because the Green Witch is so popular and it hits people everywhere that that's almost, that's you doing that, but in a book version. That's, that's it. Yeah. 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 I love that. That's really cool. Uh, I love the baby blessing as well. Like we, cause we're due to have a baby in January and we have never done that with our other two kids. They were always um, christened in a Catholic church. But as we've evolved, we, like my husband is more now on the pagan side. It really doesn't fit us. And there's like that part where it's like, do you do it for like insurance, like just in case? But for me, I'm like, it just does not fit. I don't like it at all. I don't want that. And so I was really interested in doing a baby blessing, but almost doing it for all three together. What a lovely idea, a little I family would, blessing. Yeah, I would think it would be something because they would like, it would because this is the last baby as well. So I think it would be like a really nice way to kind of like form them as a little witchy family. And yes, I, yeah, I'm, I'm now that you've said that, I'm like, there's a hint. I'm going to look into it because I think that would just be so cute. It'd be so it nice be. and beautiful. Yeah. 
Yes. And the great thing is because your other two are slightly older, they have input. Exactly. And they would love that. You know, that. What, what would you like to do to welcome the baby? Yeah. And it, it's interesting It's interesting that you say you, you didn't have baby blessings for your others. They were christened. Because when my first daughter was born, my mother-in-law said, well, when, when are you going to, to get them christened? Yeah. And we're like, <laughs> I didn't not. <laughs> she was, she was flabbergasted because at this point it's a cultural thing. Yeah. Not necessarily a religious thing. It's yeah. like, well, everybody gets baptized. It's like, yeah, no, it's just what you do. No, because, no, because I mean, I sat down and talked to my partner about it and he, and, and he said, I don't know what to do. And I said, read the order of baptism. Yeah. So he did, and he came back, and he went, I'm not promising my child's soul to yeah. a deity within an organized religion that I do not practice. Yeah. Like, that is irresponsible. Yeah. So, like, yes. So uh, what we decided was we would expose the children to as many different religions as possible, and whenever they had a question, we would answer it. If yeah. we didn't know, we'd look it up together. And when they were old enough, they could make their own decisions. Mm. And we will support them in whatever they choose. Um, and it, I think, I think because, because we don't do a lot of formal ritual, it's a lot of my, my spiritual practices in my head and in the things I do every day. Mm -hmm. The kids don't necessarily see a lot of, mm. of worship or, or ritual activity. So their, their idea of their spirituality is so completely different from anybody else in their classes. Like, um, grade four or grade five, mm -hmm. um, my, my first daughter, they started studying various world religions. Yeah. And they had some minor ones as well, you know, not just the big monotheistic ones. And they were getting to the end of the unit and she came home and she said, Mom, they're not talking about paganism. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, maybe they don't know that people still practice that these days. So the next time it came up in class, up went her hand and she said, <laughs> why aren't we talking about paganism? <laughs> Good on it. Okay. Okay. So she came home and said, my teachers are really excited. They've asked me if I want to do a presentation on wow. what paganism is and what we do. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, okay, here we go. So she had a little PowerPoint. And it was oh, great. Oh, good on her. It was wonderful. Um, but at, at, again, we don't, we, we, because it's just so much woven into our everyday lives, yeah. there's nothing specific that they necessarily do. They will come to me if they're upset about something or if there's a problem and they'll say, can we do a spell or can we make a charm? I'm like, Hey, sure. Let's, let's do, do that. <laughs> That's great. You know, yeah. grab a penny from your birth year. Um, choose, choose a room that means something to you. We'll put a stone in. You can do a little picture of the animal you want to bring with you for this, write down three keywords, <laughs> put it all in the packet and, you know, we'll say what you need over it. And then we'll light a candle and the candle can burn down over it and you take it to school tomorrow. Yeah. Just stick it in your back pocket and you're good. Yeah. 
it gives them a sense of control. Totally. Over what they're doing in life. <clears throat> and I it's totally great. Because, I mean, what is that except other than focusing what you need and working through an, uh, a problem of some kind? Yourself. Like yourself. empowering yourself, getting yourself to do something about it, not relying on a force to fix all your problems. Yeah. We're the same. Like we, cause so my husband's Irish, so very Irish Catholic upbringing. So mm -hmm. that's where like the christening was like, you just, that's just what you do. But I, I remember do, yeah. with my second with Noah, we, I was reading like what they were going to say. And I'm like, why are they talking about the devil? Like, what has that got to do with anything? And I'm like, we're not saying that like you can't say that and then the next thing like I don't really like that either I don't really like that either and that's when I was really like I'm not happy about this I'm doing this for you and even he was like mm, yeah I'm not like super sold on it but we just have to do it because we did it with the other one and you know we have to do it yeah. um and so I think like with this like pagan lifestyle I think one of the reasons why kids really like it is because it's not so forced and because it is so like every day, like I'm going to drink a tea that's got this in it because it's going to make me feel this or those crystals are here because they're going to do this to the room. And it's just like casual conversation. And so my kids will always ask like, what does this mean? What does that mean? I'm never like, read this, do this, believe that. But then they do come out with things where you go, oh, it's a full moon tonight. And um, Poppy will be like, can we do cards? Can we, can we read a card? I'm like, sure. Or if she has a bad dream, can she be like, can you cleanse my room? Because I feel like there's like something yucky in there. And I'm like, absolutely. And then like first day of school, they have a little like um, oil that I made them for courage. And so oh. they just carry it on them. And it, does, it gives them that like self-empowerment where they're like, I may need it, I may not need it, but I've got something if I do. And most of the time they won't even touch it. But I think it's like, yeah, you just give them that power. Like even when they cleanse the room, like I get them to do it. I'm like, you do it. Mm -hmm. You get everything out and tell it to go away rather than like someone else fixing their problems. And I think that's why they respond to it because it's like fun. They can do something themselves. They feel good after it. They feel yeah. empowered. And they feel brave. And I think that's like such a special thing to give them. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> Definitely. And and there's, and like, as you say, there's the fun aspect of it. Yeah. Like my younger daughter right now is totally into crystals. Yeah. You know, if, if, I'm, <laughs> if I've gone away somewhere and it's like, oh, I need to bring gifts home, I'll, I'll find a crystal for her. <laughs> <laughs> and she's got these little collections all over her room in different places. Um, and she she has a lot of trouble sleeping in general mm -hmm. so we have a room spray that we made that's you know water and a couple of drops of lavender oil and there's um a tiny chip of rose quartz in it beautiful and sometimes we put a tiny pinch of glitter you and have she glitter. uses that to cleanse the room mm -hmm. you know and sometimes she'll say mommy can you pray to the goddess for for so i can clear my head and go to sleep and you know, I draw runes on her, a bind rune on her head, and and we say a short prayer, and she's like, "Thank you, I feel so much better now." Aww, you know, sometimes, it. sometimes it is the ritual. Sometimes it's the if we do this set of actions and say these words, I feel comforted. Absolutely. Because I can feel the energy shifting because of the intention. 
and and yeah that's as you say it gives them a level of control over themselves and their emotions and yeah. how they respond to things and i think that's one of the most valuable things we can teach to kids yes i totally agree absolutely um so with your so you're very nature based obviously with people who want to really connect more with that nature-based spirituality what would you say is like your basics like how would you go like just like a daily thing that you can do that will really help you form that relationship with the earth whether it is like elemental or whatever it is what what are your like go-to's of like i really need to like infuse myself with that earth energy what would you go and do and how would you begin um I think you can find nature energy even if you live downtown in the middle of a city. Yeah. And and that's one of the things that I, I like coming back to in my writing as well because even if you live on a 17th floor apartment in a skyscraper somewhere in the middle of downtown, you can always reach earth energy, whether it be mm-hmm. through meditation and centering and grounding or on your way to work or school or wherever, you will pass something that has life energy. Yeah. And whether it be, you know, a tree on the sidewalk or a pot of flowers in front of a shop, or maybe you go past a park, you don't even need to physically stand in it. I mean, if you're you're on a bus and you go past a park, even just seeing it, reminds you and you can close your eyes and you can center yourself and 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 even just reaching out with your energy just pushing your your um your your personal sphere of of energy your bubble even pushing that out a little bit toward what earth energy you feel around you Mm -hmm. i mean it so much of this is just being aware yeah and taking the chances when you find them um that's just kind of on a on a day-to-day level but when you have time you can also find a public park Mm -hmm. and just sit on a bench somewhere or if the weather's good enough you can sit on the ground um you most most cities have botanical gardens yep of some kind you can you know some of them may be free to get in and wander around outside. Some of them you may have to pay to get into certain exhibits. But doing that is a gift to yourself. Mm-hmm. Because being able to walk in a place that produces so much natural energy mm-hmm. is really interesting. Especially when you want to do some sort of little experiments with native, um, native plants versus imported plants Mm -hmm. because in botanical gardens they'll often have themed places yeah you know this is the japanese garden this is the you know so you can go to a place and go okay i know these plants are not native to here Mm -hmm. how do i interact with their energy Mm, versus how do i interact to the plants that are in a public park Mm -hmm. which most of the time will be will be native to or at least naturalized to the area you're in so I think, I mean, even if, 
even if even if you can't get out um which is something that becomes more increasingly difficult for me too mm -hmm. as because i've i've got fibromyalgia i can't mm -hmm. go out and walk around a lot mm -hmm. um reading about local stuff looking at pictures of local stuff mm -hmm. and in your mind talking to talking to plant spirits mm -hmm. like even if it's even you know you can you can set yourself up in sacred space and close your eyes and invite a local plant spirit who wants to talk to me and teach me about something about the 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 uh the plants or the trees that live mm. around here mm -hmm. i mean there are, there are so many different ways that you can do it i mean we are our, our 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 first line instinct is i need to find green space yeah and that's great because when you do get outside it has a physiological effect as well that's yeah. beneficial. <clears throat> but if that's not possible, or you can't do it as often as you'd like, there are different options that you can that you can explore and find mm -hmm. out what really works for you. What's your ultimate nature date for yourself? What would what do you love doing the most? <sighs> there are two things I love doing. Mm -hmm. One of them is just sitting in the cedar swing in my backyard. Mm, that sounds um, good. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the backyard, it's not very big. <clears throat> but over the past decade, we've done little things every year. So, you know, we, we've got beautiful fences now. And uh, my partner built a beautiful pergola in the middle of the mm. backyard. And we've got wisteria growing up one side of it and down. And every oh, year nice. we buy at least three new rose bushes to put in different places and every year the vegetable garden is different and mm. it's the perennials that we put in that sort of form that uh that core energy yeah and then the annuals which die off every year uh they're sort of like the the icing or the the highlight yeah. to yeah. the to the deeper energy so yeah i just love sitting in my backyard and usually if it's sunny Yes. <laughs> um, with, a, with a cup of tea and, you know, I'll just swing and I'll just close my eyes and I'll just feel. Mm. Because there's been a lot of curation. Mm -hmm. You know, we're like, what do we want? What do we want here? What's going to make us feel good? There. What's going to look pretty but also be beneficial energy-wise? Mm -hmm. So I like doing that. The other thing I like doing is uh, going to our local uh, plant nursery. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's it's closed for about three months of the year, <clears throat> so you know it closes just before Christmas and it opens again around spring equinox. But I love to go in and just walk around. Yeah, the smell, the smell the of smell. a nursery, so good. Mm. Yes, and I walk in and I relax. Like mm -hmm. any tension, just kind of goes. Bleh. Yeah, you know it's wonderful. And if I go once a month. Every month there's something different because new rotation of plants come Nature in. Nature always changes. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. And and the best time is, you know, late April, early May for us because we'll go in and we'll say, okay, what are the big things we want to buy for outside? Yeah, what are the big you know, goals? What new shrubs are we going to put in? What are we going to, which herbs are we going to grow this mm -hmm. year? Do we want to buy hanging baskets of certain things to 
to highlight stuff or do we want to start a container garden on the back deck this time as well as the garden on the on the main level there's just so much potential yeah absolutely. you know and and i think that's one of the fun things about working with plants either dried or or living there is so much potential there's so much life energy and it's there's a whole world there mm. And, and what you choose to combine together is, is, going to, is going to shape the energy of your environment. And you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like you can say, okay, I'm going to do these specific things. And this is what I think is going to happen. But the synergy of all the different things coming together and then you interacting with that synergetic, mm. you know, um, combination is just... It's always so much fun to see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Nature does its own thing as well. It so it's always really interesting does. to watch what's going to appear when you least expect it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've done the morning. How do you like to end your day? Do you have an evening ritual that you like to do um, at nighttime? Again... If I didn't have kids, what I would do is I would like to sit down with a, with a journal and, and, and journal like three things I'm grateful, was grateful for today, mm-hmm. um, things that I could do differently tomorrow, yep. you know, um, what are some concepts that I want to think about while I sleep, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. But I, it, it's so hard mm-hmm. because there are times where I'll just go to bed and just fall over asleep 100 percent, most nights <laughs> right yeah. right so you know my my evening it always has to involve water mm-hmm. in some way shape or form um even if it's just holding my hands under running water mm. and visualizing the the energy that's collected over me through the day just being washed away mm-hmm being washed away so I can shake off the day um I find water very calming very very purifying very cleansing so if that's the least of what I can do that's what I will do um and you know visualize while I do it um when I get into bed I usually read a little bit Mm -hmm. to help distract my brain from what was going on during the day (laughs) because it tends to keep going the hamster keeps running that wheel and I it's very difficult to to shut it up sometimes once upon a time I used to have a lot of trouble at night um uh letting go of the day yeah and because I would I would go over and over and over certain things so one of the one of the things i do now is spiritually release the day Mm -hmm. and if it's 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 sort of sort of like light meditation i'll let certain things bubble to the surface of my mind that happened during the day and i'll either say thank you or you know just keep moving on Mm -hmm. it's not something i want to keep and it's it's very casual but it's it's sort of good mental hygiene. 
sort of like it's 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 good because if I hold on to stuff, it will eat me away. Yeah, and you wake up feeling heavy and you're like, the day has just begun. I have no How, more room left for thoughts. Right, exactly. Yeah. Mm. So so, you know, thanking whatever comes up and releasing it, it makes for an easier sleep mm-hmm. and it makes for a better wake up the next day, definitely. Beautiful. That sounds good to me. Now, before we finish, I've got my final five questions, the fire round of questions. Just last minute getting to know you. So, first question. What is a movie you could watch a thousand times and never get sick of? Le Fabuleux Destin d'Amélie Poulain. Whoa. Which, um, (laughs) which Which in English is just known as Amélie. Ah, um, yes. I I love that. That I actually had students watch that at one point. Because um, I said, we think of magic in a very specific way. But there is magic in everyday life as well. Yeah. And you can bend certain situations in a, in a way that is not quite magic, but not quite mundane either. Yeah. And I don't know what they expected, but they, when they watched it, they were like, I don't know what to think about this. And I'm like, that's fine. You don't have to have a specific reaction to it, but it makes my heart so happy. Nice. I love it so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, I could watch that over and over. Yeah, I haven't watched that in ages. I'm going to watch that again because I remember when I did, I was like, oh, the color. It's so beautiful. Yes. Mm. Yes, the color is beautiful. The music is amazing. Yeah, the music is um, amazing. I always listen to the music, actually, because it is really beautiful. Right. Um, a book that changed your life. A book that changed my life. <laughs> there are so many. <laughs> I know, it's a hard one. <laughs> it is a hard one. Um. Maybe, maybe the first book I pulled off the shelf at the metaphysical mm. shop. Um, there were three that day, and I can't remember which one was first. But one of them was Dorothy Morrison's Everyday Magic, mm-hmm. which now that I think about it, really had an impact on how I, how I shaped my own spiritual path. Mm-hmm. One of them was To Ride a Silver Broomstick, by Silver Ravenwolf, yep. like so many other people in yep. the mid nineties. <laughs> um, and the third one was was by Patricia Crowther. I can't remember the name, but it had a dark teal cover, and the title was in yellow. But it was a it was a British book, mm-hmm. so it had a very different spin on. Um, the idea of magic and practicing it and walking a magical path in the modern world. So those three together definitely, definitely changed how I approached the concept of magic and the realization that my spiritual path did not have to be organized by someone else. Mm -hmm. Perfect. 
Uh, if you could be any animal for a day, what would you be? <laughs> it's tempting to say the cat that's completely say. sacked out on my lap. Um, I love owls. I yes. love owls. But I think I would choose a fox. Interesting. Because they see things so differently. Um, there's an, there's a, there's an active energy to them that I find, um, it juxtaposes with the, with the whole trickster, um, and the, 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 the fox medicine of I'm invisible, you can't see me. Mm -hmm. I will observe, but not be observed. And I think that contradiction is so fascinating. So yeah, I think I would choose to be a fox for a day. Good answer. That's a good one. Uh, if you could travel anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? I would go back to Scotland. Oh yeah, I'd love to go uh, to Scotland. I would go back to Scotland. Um, we went there for our honeymoon. And the air mm. was just so rich and no matter where you looked, there was beauty. Yeah. And yeah. I think, I, uh, I mean, even the cities, I mean, it's, it's older than, than, you know, most of what I'm surrounded by here in North America. So just the concept of history and so, like the aggregate of energy of all those years of people and animals and um and and lakes and mountains and forests and fields it felt so good mm. it felt so good and i've missed it ever since we left mm -hmm. so yeah i'd go back to scotland yeah good answer okay finally what does happiness look like for you oh mm. family blood or chosen family yep. being happy around me yeah. like if I can sit there and look around and see my family and my chosen family being happy that makes me happy mm. it's very addictive listening to your kids giggle together when they're not fighting is like yes. it's straight to the heart <laughs> or worrisome because you're like why why are you laughing? <laughs> what are you laughing about what do i need to worry about <laughs> beautiful well thank you so much for joining me it was thank you such a pleasure me. and i'm sure everybody got so much from you you are just a wealth of knowledge so thank oh, you so thank much you. for everything that you do oh it is my pleasure because you know when i write books i learn too yeah and that's that's something like I have to think about all this stuff before it gets put down and so I'm learning as well and I'm I'm evolving my own practice and if by me doing that I can help other people mm -hmm. that's that is that is beyond reward oh. well you can feel that as well in your writing you can feel that so thank you very much oh, that's wonderful thank you that's good to know 
Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. And uh, everyone go and read every single book there. And has. <laughs> <laughs>